mercy in sending his son into the world that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and we trust that you might know that life and that blessing in your soul. We're turning tonight to the first book of Kings and to chapter 12 and I'm going to Break in in verse 12. Uh, the story of the chapter is that Solomon is dead. Uh, there's a change in the kingdom, and the new king is Rehoboam. And the people come to Rehoboam, and they ask him to lessen the load that has been put upon them. They've been building the palace, and they have been building the city. And there has been that great load, yoke put upon them, and they have been really suffering under the heavy yoke that they have been given. And the people come to Rehoboam and ask, make the yoke lighter. So Rehoboam goes off and he consults with the uh, advisors, the young men, and then the older men. And the young men say, no, don't lessen the yoke. Make the yoke heavier. 
And the old men said, no, lessen the yoke. And Rehoboam listens to the old men. And we break in in verse 12. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly, and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him, and spake to them after the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, and I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord, that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah the Shilonite unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now see to thine own house, David. So Israel departed unto their tents. But as for the children of Israel, which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam said to Adoram, who was over the tribute, and all Israel stoned him with stones that he died. Therefore King Rehoboam made speed to get him up to his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. And it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, that they sent and called him unto the congregation and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. And when Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin, a hundred and fourscore thousand chosen men, which were warriors to fight against the house of Israel to, to bring the kingdom again to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But the word of God came unto Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and unto all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not go up nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. They hearkened therefore to the word of the Lord, and returned to depart according to the word of the Lord. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim, and dwelt therein, and went out from thence, and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me, and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel, and made two calves of gold, and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and the other put he in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. And he made an house of high places, and made priests of the lowest of the people, 
which were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month, on the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered unto the, uh, upon the altar, so did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar, which he had made in Bethel, the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised of his own heart, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. Amen. And we know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to all of our hearts. Let's just unite again the wee word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for the meeting already. We thank thee for the messages in song and our brother that brought them. And we pray that even as we come at the end of our meeting tonight, that thou wouldst begin to speak again and that thou wouldst uh, cause thy word to have free course and be glorified. We thank thee that we have the instruction of God. We thank, Lord, of these situations that took place so long ago, but we know that thou hast given them for our learning, that we, through patience uh, and uh, consideration of the Scriptures, might have hope. And we pray, our God, that thou wouldst bless us as we gather at thy feet just now and cause thy word to have free course and be glorified for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Now, over the last number of months, we've been looking at different rebels in the Old Testament, and we couldn't uh, finish the series without uh, mentioning the man who goes down in the history of the children of Israel as a man whose name is synonymous with rebellion. He is Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, of whom the Bible says that he made Israel to sin. And that phrase, the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, is found 14 times in the Old Testament in all of the books uh, of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, uh, through uh, Chronicles, the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Now, who was this man? Well, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, was a member of the tribe of Ephraim. He was of Zereda, his mother, was a woman by the name of Zeruah. He had at least two sons, Abijah and Nadab, that followed him on the throne of Israel. And while he was a young man, King Solomon had set him as a superintendent over the different tribes of Israel as he was building the fortress of Milo in Jerusalem. And he was over other public works. He was a man who was well regarded he was a man who was uh, familiar also with the widespread discontent because of the extravagances of the reign of Solomon. And he was a man that had uh, blessings in his life. He was a man who was set maybe for great things. He becomes the king of Israel, the first king of Israel, the first king of the divided kingdom at that time. And he was a man that was set there by the will and plan of God. And we think of how he goes down as the man who made Israel to sin. And what an awful epitaph that is. You know, we think of those kings who are called 
Uh, for example, Vlad the Impaler. We think of men like Hitler. We think of men like Stalin, who go down in history as men of evil. And you think of this man. His name goes down as a, a man who uh, distributes uh, evil um, uh, around him. He made Israel to sin. And I wonder tonight what your epitaph is. What it would be that people would say about you at the end of your days. Might say he was a good person. Might say he's a family person. It might say tonight that he was a man who had no thought for the things of God. A man who rebelled against the word of God. A man or a woman who had um, uh, that rebellious desires, uh, uh, that rebellious streak against the things of God. And this is this man, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And I wonder tonight what would be said of you at the end of your life. What would be said of you when your body is put into the grave? Will it be said of you that he was a godly person? Will it be said of you that he was a Christian, that he was saved and washed in the precious blood of the Lamb? Or will it be said of you that he died without hope, that he died without Christ, and he died without an eternal future? Dear friend, what will be said of you when your body is put in the grave? Well, I want us to think about this man, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Because he goes down as a sinner. I don't want you to end your life the way that Jeroboam ended his life. And I want us just to take close uh, scrutiny of this man tonight. This man that goes down as this great sinner. And the first thing that I want you to see is the division that preceded his rebellion. Because here's a man... And we see the favor that is bestowed upon him. Before the reign of Jeroboam, the 12 tribes of Israel were united. They were bound together. They uh, were under the reign of David and under the reign of Solomon. And then Solomon strayed from God. And we read that the kingdom was divided. We read how the Lord comes to David or to Solomon in 1 Kings 11, verses 9 to 10. And it says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord commanded. And then the Lord added this in verse 11, Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and will give it unto thy servant. And here's where God steps in to the life of this man, Jeroboam. God says, I'm going to take the, the kingdom from Solomon. He has not followed me. He's followed other gods. He has despised my way. And so the Lord said, let my prophet go to Jeroboam and let him be the king. Let him be the king. Let him take the uh, reign of the uh, kingdom. And we find that this is what happens. We find that the Lord, first of all, said to this man that he would um, rend the kingdom from Solomon. And then he says that when the kingdom is torn apart, that the Jeroboam dynasty will be formed 
And we read how the, the Lord said, well, uh, Jeroboam will form this new dynasty. We read in 1 Kings 11 and verse 38, And it shall be that if thou shalt hearken unto all that I command thee, thee, and will walk in my ways, and do that which is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, then I will be with thee, and build thee a sure house, as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee. And the Lord is putting, uh, he is, uh, putting a condition on the promise. He says, I'll give the kingdom to you. But here's the condition. If you follow me, if you follow me, if you obey me, then you will have the kingdom. But we find that Jeroboam did not follow the condition. He rebelled against God. He turned his back upon God. And you think of the mighty mercy that God had given him. He said, the kingdom is yours. All you have to do is take hold of the kingdom. Here is what God has set out. If you obey me, then you'll have the kingdom. And he turned his back and he said no to the God of heaven. And said no to the promise that God had given him. And to the blessing that he might have had. He said no to all of that. And I wonder tonight in this meeting, if I'm speaking to one and God has given you many blessings, he's given you the blessing of health, he's given you the blessing of time, he's given you the blessing of being able to hear the word of God, he has brought you to hear the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the gospel there is the way of life. God presents that way of life by which your sins can be forgiven. Dear friend, if you will come to the cross, it's at the cross that our Savior shed his precious blood. It is at the cross where our Savior paid the price of sin. And those that trust in him, thank God their sins are cleansed away and they have new life and they have a mighty blessing. But dear friend, maybe you've said no to that. Maybe you've said, I know a better way. I know my own way. I want to go and do my own thing. And maybe tonight you're just like this man, Jeroboam. God had given him a kingdom. If all he had to do was obey him. All he had to do was what God wanted him to do. And he wouldn't do that. Are you the same tonight? You rebel and turn your back upon the ways of God. We think here about the favor that was bestowed. But then... We think about the flight that he had to make. Because after he was given the kingdom, Solomon had a fit of jealousy. And we read in 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 40, Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam. And Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt unto Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until his death. And we're not saying that the life of this man was easy after he had the promise of God. Life is a veil of tears. But for some reason we find that this man turned his back upon God. And maybe it was the difficulties. Maybe it was the fact that he had to flee from home. Maybe it was something, there was something in the life of this man that caused him to turn his back upon God. And maybe it's because of the difficulties you faced. Maybe it's because of the hardness of the life that you have had that you have turned your back upon God. 
Oh, you know, dear friend, the Lord has blessings for those that trust in him. And I say to you, turn to this God. This life is not all easy. It's not all bright. And it's not all bright ever either for the child of God. But what you need to do is turn to the mighty God of heaven. Because when we have the Lord, we know that underneath and all around are the everlasting arms. He bears us up in his arms. He brings us through the difficulties. He's there to be with us in the time of need. He has sent the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is alongside us in every time of need, in every time of difficulty. And what a blessing it is to have that comfort in the midst of our need. But I want you to see the fulfillment of the promise to Jeroboam. Because God had said that he would give him the kingdom. And God did give him the kingdom. After the death of Solomon, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, took the throne And then we find how that God brings about these circumstances whereby Jeroboam is put on the throne of Israel. God fulfilled his promise to him. The promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen. We can depend upon the promises of God when he says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That promise is true. That promise is dead on certain. That promise is one that we can guarantee tonight because it is the promise of Almighty God. And what God said he would do, God did. And what God has said that he will do for those who trust in him, he does. He does. He brings them to glory. He gives them eternal life. And that eternal life um, extends into eternity. It is eternal life. He says, I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hands. And dear friend, tonight, you can have that eternal life that the Lord Jesus Christ guarantees. But here's a man who has given these blessings of a promise from God, if he will just obey his word. And yet here's a man who turns his back upon the promise of God. What a fool he was. And what a fool are those who will turn their backs upon the wonderful gospel promise in his word. But not only do I want you to see the division that preceded his rebellion, but I want you to see the depravity that marked his rebellion. Now we've noted the goodness of God to Jeroboam, that God sends his prophet with a word to him, that if he will obey him, he will have this blessing of a kingdom and a dynasty. But I want you to think about his distrust in the Lord because this man didn't trust the Lord. He didn't trust the Lord's promise. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done what he did. But he reasoned. We find how he reasons in 1 Kings chapter 12, if you look at verse 27 there, just across the way. And he says there, if this people go up to sacrifice... In the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Now, what is he saying there? Well, you know that the temple was in Jerusalem, and that is, uh, was in the kingdom of Rehoboam. That was in the kingdom of Jeroboam's rival. And the, the tribe of Judah had stayed faithful to Rehoboam. 
and they had still him as the king. And in his territory, in Rehoboam's territory, was the temple, was Jerusalem. And once a year at least, the children of Israel made their way up to the temple to do their sacrifices and to worship their God. And Jeroboam is looking at this. And he's saying, well, these, my people, the people of Israel, they're going to have to go up to Jerusalem at least once a year. And they're coming under the orbit of King Rehoboam. And if they get used to going up to Jerusalem, then they will, uh, at, at, at last, uh, at the end of the day, they will take Rehoboam to be their king again. And so he says, I, I can't have that. I can't uh, allow that to happen. I've got to do something about that. And instead of trusting in God, instead of trusting in what God had said to him and the promise that he had given him, he distrusts God. And he says, I've got to do something about this. And he's not looking to God. He doesn't bring his, uh, his, uh, his uh, problem to the Lord. He doesn't ask God for a sign or what he's going to do. He doesn't ask one of God's prophets what he should do or what the word of God would say to him. No, he devises his own plan and he uh, sets up his own system of worship. And he sets up a golden calf in Bethel and another calf in Dan. And he says, let Israel worship there. So here's a man who distrusts the promise of God. And at the end of the day, that's the reason why many people are not saved. You know, I have listened to people, even in recent days, give reasons. And maybe they've said, well, God... Uh, I am convinced 99%. But there's this wee thing. And you know what the, the, the wee thing is, really? It's not taking the step of faith. It's not taking the step of faith. You see, at the end of the day, we have to have faith in God. The Bible speaks about how we're justified by faith. Therefore, being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And dear friend, at the end of the day, you're going to have to take the step of faith. You've got to trust God. And we see this man's distrust of the Lord. But then I want you to see his deforming of true worship. Because now he sets up this new form of worship. He sets the golden calf in Bethel and one in Dan. And instead of uh, the children of Israel now making their way to Jerusalem, they will make their way to Bethel, which is inside Israel, and to Dan, which is the northern end of Israel, and they will worship there, and they will do their sacrifices there, and by the means of the golden calf, they will worship God. Now, this is what the idea of this is. Uh, we get sometimes the impression that what Jeroboam was doing was setting up a new form of worship. No, what he wants to do is worship the true God. But he wants to worship the true God in his own way. He feels that they can, he cannot let the people go to Jerusalem to worship God. So they will do the sacrifices. They will do the same type of sacrifices uh, that they did before. But they will set up these golden calves and they will represent the true God of heaven. And he sets up his own way of worship. But I want you to see that in setting up his new way of worship, I want you to see that he still believes in the true God. In a sense, 
He knew that Jehovah was the Lord. He knew that Jehovah was the God that had brought him into the place that he was. And he acknowledges the Lord, his God. And he is not a complete pagan in that sense. And you know, there are many people who acknowledge God today. They believe that God exists. They believe that the God of heaven is there and that he is a God that we should worship and we should bring our hearts to. But my, you want to worship God in your own way. The Bible says that in order to be saved, we've got to receive our Savior. But as many as received him, to them give you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. And there are many people who receive and maybe will acknowledge God and acknowledge who he is and acknowledge his teaching, but they never receive him. I happened to come across a thing on the internet there a couple of weeks ago, and it was done by an organization called Babylon B. Now, if uh, you've ever come across Babylon B, it is a sort of a um, satirical Christian thing where they make fun, really, of the, um, the modern philosophy, the woke philosophy, and all of the rest of it, and they sort of take it to task. But on this program, the Babylon B organization um, they were interviewing Elon Musk. Now, Elon Musk is a billionaire. He is the founder uh, of the Tesla organization. He is one of these men that has sent rockets to space, and he is um, preparing to send people um, on holidays to space and all the rest of it. He's a man that has great um, influence, and he was on the Babylon Bee, and they were interviewing him. And in the midst of this interview, Elon Musk sort of made fun of the people. And he said to them, this is the Lord's day. And he said, you're a Christian organization. You're a, a, a ministry. And he said, your interview, this interview is taking place on Sunday. And he said, is that what you should be doing? And... Um, that's when the interview turned towards a real question about salvation. And the Babylon Bee creative director, a man by the name of Ethan Nichol, he said then, slightly tongue-in-cheek, but he really, I suppose, meant it. He seemed as if he was joking. But he said, Babylon Bee is a Christian organization. And then he said, to make this church, we're wondering if you would do us a quick and solid and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He said, he can be your personal Lord and Savior. And he said, it's just a quick prayer, is what he said to Elon Musk. And Elon Musk sat stunned for a few seconds, and then he responded and he said, I agree with the principles that Jesus advocated, and there's some great wisdom in the teachings of Jesus, and I agree with those teachings. And then he continued, and I'm quoting, things like turn the other cheek are very important as opposed to an eye for an eye. An eye for an eye leaves everyone blind. And then he said, and I quote again, forgiveness is important 
and treating people as you would wish to be treated. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he said, and I'm quoting again, but hey, if Jesus is saving people, I mean, I won't stand in his way. And then must added, sure, I'll be saved. Why not? And the Babylon Bee people celebrated, and they said, I think he's just said yes. And they led him then in a prayer. But what had Elon Musk accepted? I'm not going to be his judge tonight. But he had accepted that the Lord had great teaching. He had accepted that some of his teachings were very wise. But whether he had accepted the Lord as his Savior or not is something that I wonder. Because it was a very flippant way of asserting it. Hey, if he's saving people, I'll not stand in his way. The Bible says you must be born again. You must be born again. And that means a transformation. That means that your heart is changed. That means that there is a radical change in your life. And I hope that Elon Musk is saved. I pray that Elon Musk is saved. But dear friend, there are so many people and they're accepting a kind of salvation. But they're not accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And dear friend, I bid you accept the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. You've got to come to him. But not only did this man accept that the Lord Jesus Christ, or that God was true, but he accepted that God was to be worshipped. He went to all the effort of setting up the calves in Bethel and in Dan. And he went to a great uh, amount of effort to make these calves because they were golden. They were made of gold. They cost a lot. Dear friend, there are many people who go through prayers and penances. And every time the church is open, they're there. And they are sincere. And there is a great sincerity about their religion. But sincerity is not enough. The Bible says God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In truth. In truth. And you cannot worship him if you're rejecting him in your heart. If you're turning your back upon him. If you will not have this man to reign over you. The sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Oh, they're like the sins of so many people. This man was religious. This man knew God was to be worshipped. And yet at the end of the day, God says that this man was a man of sin. A man of sin. Your sin needs to be dealt with. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Dear friend, this man was dethroning God. 
He was seeking to worship God. But really what he was doing at the end of the day was he was making himself the head of his own religion. He wanted to be in the position of power. He wanted a religion that suited him. And dear friend, if you're doing that, then what a fool you are. Many people can make a religion of their own, a religion that suits them, a religion that's convenient for them. But dear friend, if an ear of religion is not going to stand by you when you stand before the God of all the earth, when those eyes of fire and flame begin to penetrate into your heart, and when God exposes all that you are and all the motivations of your heart, and the rebellion against him, and the fact that you will not have Christ to reign over you, when God exposes that, the fact that you have dethroned Christ in your life will stand for all to see. But our time is gone. I'm not going to be able to do the rest of this, but I want you to see the development of the influence of his religion because it says in 1 Kings 12 and 30 that this thing became a sin for all the people, for all the people went to worship before the one even unto death. So not only did this man damn himself, but he damned the people round about him. And I want you to think about the people that you influence. Maybe your own family. I want you to think about that. And it says here, that the same, the sin, or the thing became a sin for all the people. What is your influence? Are you directing others to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you directing others to the Savior? But then I want you to see something else, and that's the doom that ended this rebellion. Because we find that Jeroboam ended his life in disaster. We read about how he did evil, and the, uh, there was a prophecy about him that was given by Ahijah, the prophet of God. And it said how um, Ahijah spoke about how his son would die and how the, the dynasty would be blighted. And we read in 1 Kings 15, verses 28 to 30, even in the third year of Asa, king of Jeroboam, did Baasha slay him and reign in his stead. And it came to pass when he reigned that he smote all the house of Jeroboam. He left not to Jeroboam any that breatheth until he had destroyed him, according to the saying of the Lord, which he spake by his servant Ahijah the Shilonite, because of the sins of Jeroboam which he sinned and which he made Israel to sin. So his whole family was destroyed. Because of his sin, because of his iniquity. And my, he thought that he would um, establish a great kingdom. He thought that by setting up this religion, he would keep the people and he would keep his uh, kingdom and he would keep all that he had. But in the end of the day, at the word of the Lord, his whole family perishes. His whole family is destroyed. And that's the end of sin. Sin, when it is finished, the Bible says, 
bringeth forth death. So what about you, my dear friend, tonight? Where do you stand? Are you one that submits himself to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Are you one that goes by your own philosophy and your own religion and your own way of salvation? Dear friend, if that's your foundation, if that's where you want to stand, you'll perish. But Christ is the way of life. Christ gives the way of salvation. Christ is the one who is the great Redeemer. And I ask you to put your trust in him and seek him and call upon him for salvation. For he is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. May God write his word upon our hearts, even for his name's sake. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we think of this man, Jeroboam. We think of how he starts off with the promise of God. And yet, Lord, he makes shipwreck. He hears the word of God and yet ends up in doom, not only for himself, but for his whole family. O God, have mercy tonight. Draw sinners to thyself. Speak through thy word to every heart. O God, we pray that there may be those that will close in with thine offer of mercy and call upon thee for salvation and for thy so great forgiveness. Bless thy word. Write it upon our hearts. Take us to our homes in safety. Watch over us and be with us. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen.